Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backchat. 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 Your alternative to talk back. That's right. You are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swatha Das. And I'm Shami Siva Subramanian. As always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves. And today, we're focusing on two incredible women who've launched their own startups. First up, we have Parody Jane, the founder of Skilled Smart, a money school for adults. She'll be chatting with us about popular buy now, pay later schemes like Afterpay, why they're problematic, and how we can better navigate our finances. After that, we have Nicole Liu from Kin Fertility, Australia's first subscription pill service. She joins us in the studio to tell us more about her startup, how we can improve access to contraception and learn more about reproductive health. And as always, we want to hear from you. Do you use services like Afterpay? Have you ever regretted it? I know I do. <laughs> Let us know. Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. Have you ever been tempted by that little green button in the bottom left-hand corner of your online shopping screen? screen. (laughs) Most of us have bought something online and the idea of not having to pay for it all in one go is pretty tempting. But the truth is behind buy now, pay later services like Afterpay may be putting you in more debt than you might think. We have Pariti Jane, founder of Skilled Smart, to chat more to us about the issue. Hi there, Pariti. Hi, ladies. Thanks so much for having me on. Our absolute pleasure. So can you please give us an overview of how services like Afterpay work? Yeah, so essentially Afterpay came into the market and it's interest rate free, which sounds incredible because credit cards usually have exorbitant interest rates. And essentially what they do is they break up the payments and allow you to pay in small increments over a period of time. Um, That's essentially how they work. So reports have found Afterpay customers owe $900 million as of mid-2018. So I can't imagine what the number is in 2020. Its share price has also risen sixfold in the past two years. Why are these services so popular? Yeah, because, look, so technically, buy now, pay later schemes are not considered credit facilities. And so they don't have to play by the same rules as credit cards or loans from banks, etc. meaning that they don't have to really check your credit rating. They don't have to make sure that you are eligible for credit because technically they're not giving you credit. That means that it's open to a lot more people than traditional credit cards are. That's one reason they're popular is because anyone can use them pretty much. And so, um, you know, studies show that there is a huge percentage of people particularly in the younger demographics that use Afterpay, um, but also a lot of people under who are earning under $40,000. So there are a huge number of people who maybe traditionally wouldn't get access to credit who are able to use buy now, pay later facilities, and that's one reason that it's popular. The obvious other reason is that you don't have exorbitant interest rates on these um, facilities, so that makes it a little bit more appealing as well. So you've just touched on it, but at the moment, buy now, pay later schemes aren't regulated like other short-term lenders. Uh, do you think that's a problem? And if so, yeah, 
it is a problem in the sense that, look, inherently buy now, pay later uh, attracts a does tend to attract an audience that cannot afford that good in cash right now. Personally, I you know operate my own financial my own finances in a way that if I don't have the cash, I don't pay for it. But these kind of schemes do encourage a behavior of splitting things over time and buying things that you may not be able to afford, but it sounds much cheaper when you're only paying $10 every week as opposed to the whole lump sum. And so the reason that it's dangerous, the fact that they're not regulated, is that you do have people who may potentially not be served well by this kind of you know, way of operating and who don't really have the finances to be in debt, but they don't see it as debt because it's traditionally not a form of debt. And so they're putting themselves in a position that could be quite financially vulnerable, um, but because of the because it's unregulated uh, and anyone can use it, you know, it, it just makes it open to people who might be vulnerable as well. So you, you touched on that a bit. I'd love to deep dive onto that. So there is, of course, the risk of debt. Just how high is the risk with these kind of providers? At the end of the day, it comes back to your own personal way of managing finances. So even people who use credit cards, there are plenty of people who use credit cards and they pay it off every single month and they don't stay in debt. But really, it comes down to how are you using that facility? And a lot of people who use credit cards, they may become complacent with it. They might start to, you know, keep a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars of debt, or they may start to develop a dependency or reliance. The same with buy now, pay later schemes is that it just encourages you to think in a way that does not prioritize financial responsibility, right? It encourages you to say, hey, oh yeah, I can afford that thing. And suddenly, you've actually signed up for way more than you can actually afford, but you don't realize it because the increments are so small. So psychologically, it does play a bit of a trick on your brain in terms of convincing you that you can afford more things than you actually can. And so unless you're actually really consciously aware of that, then that trap is pretty easy to fall into. So there's a new draft code of practice that has been proposed by the industry. If introduced, it would cap late fees and introduce stricter customer screenings for these providers. Do you think this is a step in the right direction? Yeah, so look, I think anything that helps, uh, you know, regulate who has access to this facility is a good thing because, you know, um, even though it's not a traditional form of, debt where there are high interest rates, you know, a lot of these facilities after now, uh, sorry, after pay uh, does have a lot of late payments. So even if you kind of miss one payment or two payments, I think currently about 17 to 20% of its revenue, from what I last saw, comes from these late fees. And so a huge number of people are, you know, defaulting on their payments, which means that they do incur a penalty fee. So even though there's no traditional interest rate, there is a penalty fee on late payments. And so all of that kind of suggests that it would be beneficial for consumers to have some, you know, hurdles to have to cross to be able to prove that you're financially in a position to be able to 
use this facility in a way that's responsible and not damaging to yourself. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We're speaking with Parody Jane, the founder of Skilled Smart, about buy now, pay later services that are putting our online shopping habits into crisis mode. And we're asking people, uh, do you use Afterpay? What are your thoughts on it? And we actually got a text in, Parody. So Fatima from Kogra has said, my little sister uses Afterpay all the time, but I know she never has enough money to pay for what she buys. How do I convince her to stop? Hmm, <laughs> that's a tough one, eh? Yeah, look, it's, 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 it's a tough one because I don't think anyone uh, received well the information, especially from family and friends, yeah. that we're not doing well with our money. And so, it's, look, money's always a bit of a tricky one um, to really talk about. But I always think that the numbers tell a really good story. So if you can actually sit down with someone and encourage them to just get a view of their finances. So track your, you know, last couple of months of spending, have a look at where the money is going. That in itself, when it's on paper, is usually quite surprising enough for an individual to go, wow, like I didn't know I was spending so much money on X, Y, and Z. So I think that can be a bit of a nice way to encourage them to kind of just look at the numbers and see what the numbers are saying. And hey, you never know, like, Maybe she can't afford that stuff. Mm. So, you know, the numbers do um, tell the best story, I think, sometimes. So as part of your startup, Skilled Smart, you teach Australians how to budget and handle their money. Uh, so what do you suggest people do if they can't make repayments? Look, if they can't make repayments, first off, you know, get yourself to a point where you're not using buy now, pay later <laughs> or credit cards unless you know that you can pay 100% off. Now, if you are struggling with repayments, the first thing I would do is contact Afterpay and let them know and have that discussion with them um, to, to let them know that, you know, you're going to be defaulting or what, what, what can they do in this circumstance. Um, you may be entitled to refunding that product, depending on the refund policies. And so if that's something that you can do, get a full refund, just give the goods back, you know. Um, and so, but really it's about preventative health instead of crisis management. We want to be working towards not being in that position. And so we, we have got a, a couple of, you know, um, things that we do. So we've got a $1,000 in 30 days challenge where we encourage everyone and teach everyone how to save $1,000 in 30 days. That's a free challenge. So you can hop on the website and you can just sign up. The other thing that we do is we've got a six-week course which takes you through everything from budgeting to investing and superannuation. And through that, we really do talk about things like how do you set your finances up in a way that you're saving on a regular basis so that you're not in that position of, you know, defaulting on credit cards, payments, or buy now, pay later schemes. Um, so... Pretty, would you recommend people swear off buy now, pay later services, or is there a way to use these services responsibly? Again, it just comes down to your mentality. It's the same with credit cards. Like, I have no problem when people are like, yeah, I love credit cards because they give me points, but I'm really responsible. I pay it off 100% every single month, and I never pay more. I never buy more than what I would ordinarily pay. So if you can apply those same rules to buy now, pay later, then sure, not a problem if, for example, it helps you manage your cash flow or, you know, you're going to get paid a little bit later and so you want to kind of, 
you know, do it over a couple of increments. There's nothing inherently wrong with the idea that you're paying something in little increments over time. But the the studies and the reports show that a lot of people, like a lot of people who use Buy Now, Pay Later, do admit that it facilitates spontaneous spending. It facilitates buying stuff they wouldn't ordinarily buy. It facilitates this idea that they can, you know, buy stuff that they might not ordinarily be able to afford. And that is the danger of it. So if you are noticing that in yourself, then I would personally not use those, you know, uh, facilities because it's just, it's, it's quite high risk if, if those are the kind of behaviors that you're seeing coming out in yourself. But if, yeah, it just, it kind of just depends if you are able to kind of be really diligent and uh, strict with yourself and have that responsibility, then there's nothing inherently wrong with that concept. So you touched on the initiatives of Skilled Smart earlier. How can people get more involved and learn more about it? Yeah, so look, check out the website. It's skilledsmart.com.au. We do have a free challenge that we encourage everyone to do. We've had hundreds of Australians doing it already and saved thousands of dollars. So it's a great, fun way to just build up a bit of a cash reserve for yourself and learn a couple of tricks on how to save money. And then you can check out the course details on the website as well. Love that. You know, we are asking people, what are their thoughts on Afterpay? Do they use them? We've got a couple of texts in. Carly from Wollongong has come up with a brilliant idea. Are you ready for this, Pretty? <laughs> so ready. what Carly does is they use Afterpay to buy things to try them on. And they don't have to pay the full amount. And if they don't like it, they can just return oh, it. Brilliant. How smart that's brilliant. is that? Yes, that should be See? one of your initiatives. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is, that's what I mean. There are ways to use it that are not damaging. Hack yeah. the system. And then James from Kuji has said, I was always taught by my dad that if you can't afford something outright, you can't afford it. I like that. Yeah. Jay-Z has a saying Jay-Z has a saying that I like to quote a lot. But Jay-Z is a billionaire, which is very different to me. He says, if you can't afford to buy something twice, you can't afford it. I was just about to quote that. No way. I love it. (laughs) We're on the same wavelength. Hey, Pretty, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. That was Pariti Jane speaking to us about buy now, pay later services and how they could be affecting your back pocket. Don't move that dial because we'll be talking about a new startup shaking the way we access contraception and information about fertility. Yeah. And the only... Yes, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, you know what? Um, We are talking about Afterpay and it's only right to play some Cardi B to cheer you up on this gloomy Saturday morning. Here's Money by Cardi B. It's a bit on the nose. A little bit. Enjoy. The Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact chat, your alternative to talk back. So it's 2020 and I still have to go to the doctors to get a script for the pill. It's 2020 and now I have to pay, <laughs> pay for pap smears I can't that are meant to keep sweater. me healthy. I'm screaming in the studio. <laughs> One startup, Kin Fertility, has probably heard my cries and is looking to revolutionise reproductive healthcare in Australia. That's right. Kin Fertility is an organisation helping to educate people with a uterus about how to best access the healthcare they need. We have Nicole Liu in the studio with us today to talk to us about the startup she's founded and how it's transforming the way we access contraception. Hi there, Nicole. Hey, thanks for having me. It's our absolute pleasure. So your startup, Kinfertility, is a game changer when it comes to accessing healthcare and fertility information. How did the idea come up? 
Well, the idea actually started um, not with contraception. It was actually with my own fertility struggles. So I was misdiagnosed with a condition known as polycystic uh, ovary syndrome, yeah. mm. which is a reproductive condition. I was told I was infertile. So I obviously started asking a lot more questions about my fertility and reproductive health. Um, and I found no straight answers on the internet or via the doctors I was talking to. So that just like led me to start talking to more friends about it. And I realized they equally had a lot of the questions that I had around fertility and reproductive health. And some of them had even had their own struggles. And so that was sort of when I started thinking about how little we actually talk about this stuff. Like polycystic ovary syndrome is something that impacts one in 10 women, yet I hadn't heard about it until I was misdiagnosed with it. So that was when I really wanted to focus on like reproductive health and fertility health. And we really started with like creating content that women could use to inform decisions around their fertility and reproductive health. And that took like got a lot of traction. So we wanted to then help women take control more about their reproductive health. So we started at the beginning of what we call the fertility journey, which starts like the first time you really like have your period or have the chat with your parents. Um, and start thinking about contraception all the way to, you know, conception, pregnancy, postpartum, menopause. Um, so we started with con- contraception and tried to deal with all the problems we as a team were facing at the time with trying to get access to contraception. Love that. And you've started Australia's first subscription pill service. That's right. How does this aspect of your startup work? <laughs> so essentially, Kin Fertility connects women online with doctors, qualified Australian doctors, to access safe and convenient um, contraceptive at get convenience and safe access to the contraceptive pill yep. online. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it works is they'll jump on Kin Fertility and do an online health assessment of over 40 questions. The medical information there gets um, goes to a doctor who reviews that information and asks any, inf- like, any questions they need through a text-based consult online. And based on that information, if it's safe for you to go on the contraceptive pill and be prescribed, they'll write a script that will then fulfill with a partner pharmacy delivered to your door every six to eight months. Oh, wow. wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love all the hoops we're jumping on the show today. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, so what was the reaction to those doctors um, when you asked them to get involved with your initiative? Yeah, so we actually initially started with one doctor who we talked through for a couple of months. I would describe her reaction as super curious and excited, mm. but cautious, mm. because it's something new, right? Um, and it took, like, we basically, like, talked to her for a month and showed her the technology, well, it started with the diagram, but the technology afterwards showed her that we were, like, willing to take on her feedback, change the questionnaire, um, and just, like, do things to make her more comfortable that she was be able to, like, give as much counselling and get as much information about the patient in order to feel safe prescribing. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been referral. Like, she referred her best friend, who just happened to be a women's health doctor, um, who then referred more and more. And then we've now got five to, yeah, five doctors who are all women health specialists, um, GPs, uh, that have all come through referrals. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> We're going to just keep saying that after yeah, we are. <laughs> all your answers. Um, so you're about to launch a fertility pathology yes. test. What can we expect from that service? Yeah, so um, I'm actually really excited about this. So like, if you really think about women's health, um, or just women in general, like women's role in society has fundamentally changed over the last few decades. We've just got way more choice, way more freedom, and most of us are thinking about having kids much later in life. Um, And so it's now become more important than ever to have information about your fertility and reproductive health earlier in life so you can actually make informed decisions. So what we're building is um, a fertility test that 
essentially uh, tracks your fertility hormones and helps you understand your fertility, ovulation and reproductive timeline much more proactively than what would otherwise be the case. It's actually the same test that doctors already use right now for women who have been trying for 12 to 18 months. Um, but instead of doing it reactively, once something has happened um, and it's not working, we want to bring it um, more proactively and give women better access to it. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We've got Nicole Liu Nicole <laughs> from Kin Fertility in the studio. She's chatting to us about Australia's first subscription pill service, which makes it easier for people with a uterus to access contraception. And we've got some texts in. Yeah, we're asking people to join in on the conversation. If mm. you would like to join, please text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at Backchat. FBI. Um, someone texted in and they said, I love money by Cardi B ahead of chatting contraception. <laughs> um, and they also said that I could um, justify my coffee every morning because we were talking about Afterpay before. Um, someone texted in, Kyle from Petersham has said, I'm still waiting on the mail pill. <laughs> and followed by, Papa wants to fire some blanks. Pew, pew. <laughs> Love that. Love uh, that. That is actually a whole other can of worms, yeah. is it? The male pill. So, you know, this is still a lot we don't know about reproductive health, one yeah. being the male pill. Yeah. Uh, but just how important is it to talk openly about fertility and contraception? Yeah, um, like one of the things I'm most excited about, Kin, is that like we're working on essentially destigmatizing fertility and reproductive health, like making it something that's normal in conversation. I think the more we talk about this stuff, the more it gets focused on, like, the more women's issues are brought out of the shadows and into the surface and actually getting talked about, which means more investment um, into it, more like um, awareness over it and more people trying to help out and like bring information and hopefully a lot more innovation around it. So we're super excited to be doing this. On that note, have you had much pushback to your startup? Yeah, I think like... We have. Uh, it's like when you're doing something new, you obviously come up against all the old ways of doing things. Um, and a lot of the scepticism is really valid if you believe that telehealth um, is not done the right way. But we fundamentally believe that if you do telehealth right, um, it can be good because you can do like give people a lot better access, information and convenience in accessing the healthcare system. Um, and fundamentally, what we've been able to do is focus really strongly and really deeply in one condition, uh, one like issue, I guess, contraception, and one treatment, contraceptive pill, um, and go really, really deep into that, which means we're able to bring up a lot of information. Doctors are able to give a lot more detailed counselling around it, and we've built a technology fundamentally solving contraceptive issues. Um, and so a lot of the, um, the back, like, pushback against it, I think, we fundamentally doing the right thing because the questions we're really solving is like, can we prescribe, be prescribing the contraceptive pill online safely? Um, and if you really think about what you need to do that, it's better information um, about the patient and showing that you have the medical history that uh, you need to know, um, that the doctors are able to give counselling. Um, and if it's not right for them, be able to turn them away and give them like the right next steps to take. Um, and then make sure that they're able to get access to the right medication, which we are also able to do because we partner with pharmacies that you're able to walk right into as well. So do you think this is the start of more telehealth pop-ups um, coming around Australia? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, technology has evolved in such a way that it has become safe and convenient to access healthcare online. So I do definitely hope that we will be like bringing more telehealth um, to Australia. 
um, especially for the rural population of Australia where it's so hard to access. Mm. And we're actually, um, there's another startup actually that we're pr- pretty excited about called pilot.com.au. Um, and so they're a men's health telehealth startup who um, are helping men treat stigmatised issues like erectile dysfunction, um, hair loss, mental health. Um, so they're doing quite similar things and we're really excited about that space too. So, Nicole, we've heard that you donate a portion of your profits to the Fistula Foundation. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So the Fistula Foundation, well, actually, first of all, the Fistula is a child health, uh, childbirth injury that a lot of women in developing countries never face because we actually have great obstetric care. But in the developing world, without emergency obstetric care, um, childbirth actually causes a lot more tears. Um, and those tears then result in incontinence. Um, and in those countries, because um, fertility and reproductive health is really stigmatised, um, more so than it is here, they're quite shunned by their um, family and their community. So we fundamentally believe that all women should have a really smooth and like just a better fertility journey. And as a new mum with a new baby, we want to make sure that they're, you know, um, feeling a lot better and like they're able to take care of their baby rather than to go through a lot of the stress that they're currently going through. Um, and fistula is something that it has preventative surgery um, available to it and it's quite cheap, um, especially in the third world countries. So the Fistula Foundation is doing amazing charity work, um, making sure that they can um, create as many, like uh, give as many surgeries as possible to those women, um, as well as train surgeons so that they can eradicate Fistula in third world countries altogether. That's incredible. Um, We actually got our final text in. They said, this is amazing, especially for access for people in regional areas. Well done and amazing work. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Nicole. No, thank you for having me. That was Nicole Liu from Kinfertility, Australia's first subscription pill service. She's told us more about her startup, uh, which is improving access to contraception and information around fertility. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Another big thanks to our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, and Pip Leeson. And thanks again to our guests, Paredi Jane and Nicole Liu. We'll catch you next week, but before we do, we're going to play a song by Baker Boy and Jess B. That's right. Baker Boy is playing at Splendor this year. Will I catch him live? Well, no, I don't know. The, I hope the you decision, do. The decision to go to Splendor is always a really difficult one. Flip um, a coin. Yeah, flip a <laughs> coin. Um, here's his latest, Metagen. Have a great Saturday, guys. Thank you for listening.